1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to discuss, to talk about. First, though, I want to touch on this. And, like, there's there's a way I could do this that would be crazier, uh, not the way that I normally talk about stuff, uh, more tinfoil hatty, uh, where I could just say into the microphone a bunch of times, why? Just ask the question, why are they doing this? Why is this going this road? And I thought about it because uh, I do genuinely have those questions. But the special counsel uh, that's going after Trump for the 2020 election interference case is trying to push the federal prosecutors for a trial date of January 2nd, 2024. And this is the point where if I want to throw my tinfoil hat on, I just say why. I just ask you why. I don't have an answer. I don't know if you have an answer. I feel some people might have an answer that they think pretty sure is the reason. And I love this. I did read in uh, the the request for this what the prosecutors wrote. They said a January 2nd trial date would vindicate the public's strong interest in a speedy trial, an interest guaranteed by the Constitution and federal law in all cases, but of particular significance here where the defendant, a former president, is charged with conspiring to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election, obstruct the certification of the election results. These are all their words and discount citizens legitimate votes. Uh, The Iowa caucuses, January 15th. So January 2nd, trial starts in December. Let's start picking out uh, jurors, I think, is part of the request, too. The judge will make a decision on whether or not they'll get what they want, the prosecutors. I'm sure the Trump team has asked for a lot more time than that to prepare for this. Um, and the judge will make a decision by the end of the year but it, or the end of month, excuse me. It's just so interesting to me that so many of these things are colliding in such a way that no matter what you think, and this, look, I'll take the tinfoil hat totally off. I won't do it tinfoil hat way. Um, but no matter what you think, no matter if you think that Trump is the most guilty person to ever be guilty of anything in the history of guilt, um, or if you think he's utterly innocent and everything's a crap charge against him, uh, there is no, I just keep saying it, broken record, and I'll move on. There's no way to say this won't interfere with our election. There, there's zero ways to say that, to you know, claim that, especially if they get trial dates like January 2nd before anyone gets any chance to vote on anything. It seems tremendously significant to the prosecutors that they squeak into that goal line uh, to make sure that whatever the end. They said they only want like two weeks to argue their case. So if it starts in the second and it takes two weeks, where does that end? What what day is that over around? Oh, yeah, that's right. About the 15th or so is when it would be over. Uh, that's it's confusing, to say the least, and, and certainly uh, even more than that to a whole lot of people. Uh, but I digress. That's just one thing out there in the world. Let's play this. This is totally different. Uh, this is a White House correspondent uh, talking about inflation. And even though it's it's still going up um, and prices are still ridiculous, and I saw I saw a viral video, I think it was on TikTok, of a kid that went to the grocery store, spent a hundred dollars, and had like two bags of things, and they were all pretty much basic necessities. He said, "I don't think he ever showed the receipt, but that is possible. You can go, you can buy almost nothing, you can be very confused as to why it costs so much. That's the world we live in. It doesn't seem that the people who are representing this current president." want to be aware of that, not just that they aren't aware of it, because they very well may be, but they just want to ignore it at all costs. This answer is a pretty good demonstration of that. I think the long game is making sure people know what they see, what the administration anyway sees as the benefits <laughs> of this economy. And- okay, hold on, I got to stop right there. What they see, well, what the administration sees anyway. I want to play that part again, because that's literally what he said. Uh, we need the people to know 
what you I mean, not what you see. It's not you don't need to know what you're seeing. You need to know what we're seeing and telling you you should be seeing. I think the long game is making sure people know what they see, what the administration anyway sees is the benefits <laughs> of this economy. And the numbers today sort of help them. I mean, not as really. you said in your intro, it's not great news when nope. inflation keeps going up, but it's, it's not as bad, bad as it news. was. It's not as bad as it was. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like somebody who's failing to run a company. And you're coming in and trying to save the company at the end, and they're asking you how things – or you're asking them how things got so bad. And they're like, well, it used to be worse. We used to be way more, way more broken than we are now. We're still going bankrupt and stuff, but hey, things are gone, going up. Things are getting better. Uh, it's not as on fire as it used to be. Uh, that's the version of an answer there. And I do – I really love the the administration has to tell the people what they see. I mean what, what we're seeing for them, and uh, they should just close their eyes. And just listen to us all the time. Uh, let's play this. This is our president, uh, a guy who is, I guess, to some people, uh, a president that's that's good at his job. I don't I don't understand um, it genuinely. And this is not even attacking the left or attacking the right intentionally. It's just being honest. He, the president is so bad at public speaking. Uh, so bad that there's Robin Williams audio from years ago making fun of him and how, how terrible he is. But he's so bad at it, and he makes so many mistakes, mathematical mistakes, all kinds of, of errors, that I don't understand how people could be like, no, nah, he's doing a good job. Uh, what you might mean is that the Democratic Party, if you voted for them, has gotten some things that, that you like uh, that really Biden probably can't take any credit for at all. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's any moment, anything you can point to, you'd be like, no, uh, this current president has done great on his own, as as himself in this moment, like there's there. I can't think of anything. And I would love three oh nine three four zero four four six four people to tell me what they think has been great that he himself has done. Three oh nine three four zero four four six four. Here we go. I don't know how many of my tens of thousands of miles I've traveled through war zones. What? I don't know anybody who would not wonder whether or not. What these veterans have seen caused cause post-traumatic stress. A hundred percent, that second part, yes. Uh, what the veterans see makes sense to me, and yes, that's a, a good point to throw out there, I guess. But the tens of thousands of miles that he's spent himself traveling through war zones, that, that what is he saying? I don't know how many of my tens of thousands of miles I've traveled through war zones. Tens of thousands of miles that he's been traveling. He's obviously been an embedded reporter at times, I guess, uh, before his political career. I don't understand any of that. I do understand the the comments and the the need to support veterans. Uh, that should be a no-brainer for anyone, certainly for our political leaders. Um, but again, just to be claiming certain things, uh, he said he was hibernating yesterday. He, he makes gaffes on a daily basis that actually do embarrass the country. Um, beyond our country. They're, they're, they're things that we get made fun of, I think, uh, throughout the world now. And I know people would say other leaders had that happen too. Um, Biden is uniquely bad at putting his face on a camera, his face in front of a microphone. Feels like a big part of the job. All right, I'm going to move on. Other things out there. Uh, I do want to play this. Uh, this is a back and forth with John Kirby on Fox, um, pushing for more information uh, about you know, Devin Archer, about the Hunter Biden business deals, about the things that have come out that feel significant, uh, being on phone calls while Hunter is executing business uh, meetings. That seems to not make sense. Even if he didn't talk about anything, why would you call 
the then vice president, put him on speakerphone in front of the people you're selling stuff to um, and then hang up on him without talking about any business, which is what Archer said happened. Why would you even do that? It's very, very odd. But here's some back and forth in which Kirby says, how dare you ask me these questions? Peter Ducey asked those questions the other day and the president answered them. Uh, the president made fun of him for asking and said they're not true, but uh, didn't give us any more information as to why he'd be on phone calls or why, you know, business partners of Hunter's would come to the White House 37 times, 36 times. Well, um, Biden is the vice president. That Hunter had access to the then vice president uh, and to sell the Biden brand. So what do you say about that, John? And, and when will the president actually answer some of these questions to put some of this to rest himself? Oh, my goodness, Martha. I mean, he just did with Peter. I mean, he's the one who called Peter over and had Peter, you know, risk life and limb cutting across that barrier. I mean, he specifically called Peter over. Uh, and, he, you know, look, he knows Peter. He knows Peter's not going to ask some softball question about, uh, you know, about uh, how his vacation was. He, he knows uh -huh. who Peter is, and he yeah. answered that question. And I don't know what no, he did. He didn't from, answer but, whether but, or not. No. He OK, what, what I love so much about this, the whole Peter Ducey Biden thing is Biden literally made fun of him for the question that he asked. And he did call him over and i do have the audio so i can go ahead and play it i played it yesterday after it happened uh peter Ducey walks up to our president and says can you tell me uh, the answer as to why you were on a certain you know um uh speaker phone calls and whatnot and biden tells him that's a real dumb question before saying the thing that i think is is what uh john kirby's trying to say saying it's not true uh, well, that's weird because people, multiple people are saying that it is. So we need I think we need more, sir, more than just a that's not true. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them talking business. Is that what I've never talked business? In anybody. And I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you, it's, <laughs> why is that a lousy question? Because it's not true. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thank and you, then he Mr. walks President. away. Thank you, Mr. President. And that is what Kirby's saying. Like, he answered it. He, he called uh, Ducey over. He was so kind and nice in how he interacted back and forth. I love that he brags about this because that interaction was, was horrible and certainly not an in-depth answer to the question. But I want to play it again because this is what happens in the world we live in right now. Oh, man. OK, now it's not going to work this time. Now, now someone is stopping me from playing this. I'm kidding. I'm pretending to tinfoil hat it. Let's try one more time. That Hunter had access. All right, hold on. Let's skip ahead a little bit and actually play this. Goodness, Martha. I mean, he just did with Peter. I mean, he's the one who called Please. Peter over. He called and him had over. Peter, you know, risk life and limb cutting across that barrier. I mean, he specifically called Peter over. Uh, and, he, you know, look, he knows Peter. He knows Peter's <laughs> not going to ask some softball question. Lousy about, question. Uh, you know, about uh, how his vacation was. He, he knows who Peter is. And he answered that question. And he, he answered it by saying your lousy question, your dumb question, and it's not true. Um, well, Devin Archer was fairly convincing to me, and he had nothing, no reason to lie. There was no motivation in it. And actually, many, many times, uh, Archer's testimony went uh, just short of actually indicating a crime. Uh, he said that Biden wasn't involved in business discussions on those um, calls or on those uh, speakerphone calls that he witnessed. Uh, at least none of that happened in front of Devin Archer. It's just weird that you call the guy uh, during and that I love that Tucker Carlson, Devin Archer back and forth. And maybe I'll play that a little bit later on in the show, because uh, Tucker, who interviewed Devin Archer, asked him, he's like, have you ever called in uh, while your son was in a business meeting of any kind, just as his dad? Or had he ever called you, put you on speakerphone so everyone could hear and just said hi and then essentially hung up? No, he was doing it to demonstrate access 
to a unique person with power within our government that is obvious to anyone who actually cares to pay that attention. And so then the question becomes, and I've said this a lot on the show too, and I'll take a break after I say this, uh, did Hunter sell access to his dad in a way his father was unaware of as our vice president, or did he sell access to his dad in a way in which Biden was in on the take? Both to me are bad. Both to me are a look that's almost as bad as thinking you traveled tens of thousands of miles within war zones, even though I'm sure any amount of uh, fact checking will demonstrate that Biden missed by just a little bit on the math on that. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Let's do a palate cleanser. Let's do something fun for just a second. This is a little girl uh, looking into a mirror. Um, I think in the um, post on this that went viral, they say that she's legally blind. Uh, She can obviously at least see somewhat in the mirror, Uh, but she's saying how good she looks. And it went viral because it's adorable. Here we go. Looking good, looking good, looking good, ma'am, looking good. I don't know why I love the looking good ma'am part, too. Uh, She was looking in uh, a mirror at a Hobby Lobby as she was uh, checking out whatever it was. Maybe she had a pair of uh, sunglasses or something on. Here, one more time. Looking good, looking good, looking good, ma'am, looking good. Uh, Kids are sponges. They just absorb. I don't know if she heard anybody say that, maybe complimenting her own mom or somebody while they're trying on outfits and then just went down that road. But everybody needs the confidence of this uh, small child Um, for any reason today, not just if you want to boost yourself on how you're looking, uh, but how you're feeling, anything. Just look in a mirror and essentially behave like her and things are fine. That's a palate cleanser. Let's do some other stuff uh, that's not all that serious. How about this? Uh, The ideal first date should last almost three hours. Uh, I guess the keyword is ideal in this. A new poll found two hours, 43 minutes. Uh, This is if you're having a good time. Otherwise, you definitely want to bail very, very quickly. Uh, I guess there's a few different op-eds that are out there in the world that say this kind of stuff. It takes an average of four dates to feel comfortable around somebody. Uh, The most popular first date ideas are dinner and a movie, grabbing drinks, and having coffee. Uh, When a date doesn't go well, you're more likely to blame the other person, but plenty of people admit they've probably screwed it up themselves. I like that part that, you know, uh, maybe you went in and you weren't at your best and things didn't go that well. Uh, And most of us are like, yeah, no, it's still the other person's fault. Uh, Being nervous is our top uh, excuse for causing a date to go poorly, (laughs) having one too many drinks and then having um, tried too many different jokes or other reasons people say they didn't succeed. Uh, When we blame the other person, our top reasons include they didn't look like their photos, uh, they made inappropriate comments, they showed up late or left early, and they talked about themselves too much. I have heard, uh, I'm married, I've been married for a while, my wife pops up on the show for anyone that's unaware, uh, but I have heard that the best way to do a first date, uh, no matter who you are, guy or girl, is just ask a bunch of questions and not really talk about yourself at all. If you do that, most people will like you because most people like talking about themselves and they don't like Uh, being the one that starts that. Uh, When a date does go well, playing it cool and not texting for a few days might not be the best strategy, according to this. Uh, People were asked to uh, name the top sign a date went well, and the number one is that the person texts or calls immediately, maybe just to check that you got home safe or something. Uh, But then I've heard the three-day rule is important, and the top sign that a first date didn't go well, uh, you stop talking, uh, which is not at all surprising. Another other couple things out there, Um, Apple is moving the end call button on their phones, and it could cause people to accidentally FaceTime each other. 
Uh, if you don't know, if you don't have an Apple phone, what FaceTime is, that's a video call. So you'd be on a regular call. You hit a button that you used to end a call with, and now that's the FaceTime button. And then all of a sudden you're seeing people. Uh, this could definitely wind up causing problems, I think, for some. But it is the layout of the new um, operating system for Apple's phones. And then finally, I thought this was interesting, too. Taco Bell announced yesterday that in honor of freeing the Taco Tuesday trademark uh, from rival Taco John, they're now going to be giving away one free Doritos Locos Taco to everybody on Tuesday while supplies last. You show up between August 15th and September 5th, and you ask for a uh, Doritos Locos Taco on a Tuesday uh, in that window, and you get a free one. And anyone who doesn't know what those are, uh, they're delicious. They're the regular hard shell taco, but it's Doritos instead of regular um, just, you know, uh, corn tortilla, hard shell tortilla, which makes it way better. I still recommend the VFW for Taco Tuesday and go there and say my name and you get a free taco as well. Actually, Uh, you buy three, you get a fourth one thrown in if you throw down the Craig Collins show. So either Taco Bell or the VFW, uh, you can figure out a free taco or maybe just both. Maybe just Doritos Locos Taco during the day. And then for your evening, uh, hit up the VFW. Uh, But I do like this as a celebration. Uh, When free tacos are given out, I am usually a fan. All right. Uh, Will's got the news. You can hear us on AM at 1470, on FM at 100.3, all over the Internet. Uh, But you can also tell your smart speaker, if you have one in your house, to play WMBD radio. And then you hear me say all kinds of things, play audio, shout about stuff, uh, brag about free tacos, and you also hear Will Stevenson tell you about everything in the news, uh, including whatever. I'm sorry, I heard something about tacos. What? <laughs> They're free. There's free tacos at Taco Bell <gasps> every Tuesday for the next few weeks in honor of uh, Taco Tuesday. Is being that free. in honor of their celebration yes, and their legal victory? Yes. Of yeah, correct. I and so. it's, a Dor- it's a Doritos Locos taco, which is oh. even better. What do you, you don't like those? Uh, they're okay. They're now we can't talk favorite. about tacos. I just anymore. like a simple taco. Why? That's all. I'm just a Hard simple shell? person. Yes. Okay. I'm a simple person with fairly simple needs, Greg. Doritos makes everything better. I don't. I can't think of a lot of Speaking things. Speaking of Doritos, I saw since they have all these ridiculous <laughs> flavors of Doritos uh-huh. now, they have uh, cheddar cheese Doritos that's in the not, store. Yeah, that's not what I mean. Okay. Well, that's fair. <laughs> There's some bad Doritos flavors, and actually, it doesn't make everything better. I wouldn't want Doritos and ice cream. But uh, Will, you go ahead. <laughs> you have a very good point there. Thanks. You go ahead and do some news. I'll be back all in a bit right, with fine. more Taco Talk. If, that's that's a good name of your show, Taco Would Talk. Be. 1470. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Let's do some political stuff. Let's go quickly through a bunch of this stuff, though. Why not? Uh, First, you have James Comer out there, Representative Comer, uh, saying that the House GOP will subpoena Hunter and the president and President Biden about the business deals, about what Devin Archer said, about what other uh, business partners of um, uh, Hunter Biden have said about their visits or, or just a bunch of stuff going on with the president of the United States and Hunter's um, weird, complicated, uh, very much looking worse and worse all the time uh, versions of business dealings uh, that seem to um, get closer and closer to the president than vice president every time we get an update on this. And yet a lot of people will still tell you this is a nothing burger, non-story, doesn't matter. Uh, Here we go. Going to subpoena Hunter Biden. Yeah, this is always going to end with the Bidens. coming in front of the committee. Uh, We are going to subpoena the family. I mean, we're putting the case together to win in court. Obviously, with all the opposition and obstruction we're getting from the Biden attorneys now, 
we know that this is going to end up in court when we subpoena the Biden. So we're putting together a case. And I- Here's the thing. I'm going to just predict this now, uh, whether or not they subpoena Hunter Biden in the next couple of years. Uh, and the president of the United States, and I doubt he complies. Uh, this is something that probably won't go away. And probably after um, President Biden is out of office, which I think might happen in the next couple of years, but who knows? Uh, whenever he's out of office, I think you'll see a lot of what you're seeing right now, um, or at least the attempt on what you're seeing right now against uh, Trump happen against Biden, because every single political move winds up being a political move of the other side, of the other team, uh, more or less. Would it go quite as far? As it's going against Trump, probably not. Um, I think there's something unique about Trump, as probably most people listening to this show do, uh, that makes him more of a focal point, more of a target than anyone else. But I can easily see uh, court cases and other things, as long as the Justice Department plays along, uh, even though maybe they wouldn't, maybe they just dismiss them and throw them out completely, of at least attempting uh, to bring real charges against the Biden family for any sort of business dealings. But again, maybe maybe I'm to- totally wrong about that, because I do understand that the system of justice is different depending on what letter you have in front of your name on the political side of the aisle. But I just envision that Republicans specifically won't. And I'm not saying they should let it go. Uh, what's going on with the current president and the business deals. And I, I mean, just easily, I'll ask one question and you can tell me that you don't care that this is obviously, you know, on the right versions of rhetoric and not not actual opinion uh, that people have or that I have. But this truly is my opinion. Why would Hunter Biden call the then vice president and put him on speakerphone so all of the people in these business meetings, 20 or so, could hear the voice of his father, not not just knowing I mean, you walk into a room and you're looking to do a business deal with the son of the sitting vice president. You know that's what you want. Any of those companies, uh, any of those individuals, any of those representatives for whatever the deals were they were putting in place with Ukraine, China, whoever it is, uh, those businesses, energy companies like Burisma, they they want access. That's easily a thing that they want. Um, Ukraine is the second or was the second most corrupt country in Europe behind Russia. Uh, That was a often repeated thing about that country up until, of course, this conflict. And now uh, people in the United States uh, feel for the the war that's going on and care about uh, Ukraine in a different sort of human way. Uh, And then China, of course, is tremendously corrupt. So it's interesting that the countries he chose to work with, all of that is a hunter. And then more important, why would you put your dad on the phone? It just makes no sense. And so anyone that says there's nothing there, I, I can't understand why you're ignoring it to that degree. All right, let's play this. This is different. This is Rand Paul saying that Dr. Anthony Fauci perjured himself in a unique way, in a significant way, in probably the most important way of anyone ever. Uh, the, the um, you know, uh, exaggeration here, which I don't know if it's all that big of an exaggeration. It feels similar to how sometimes the former president would say this is big, this is huge. Uh, but darn it, you might actually uh, care and agree with uh, Rand Paul Uh, when you hear him say it the way he says it, because he says there is a smoking gun. Well, you know, I don't think there's ever been a clear case of perjury in the history of government testimony. And I don't say that lightly. He said adamantly that the government never funded this gain-of-function research. We now have the Government Accountability Office, the GAO, has admitted that the funding came from the NIH. We have the acting director, Tabak, of the NIH, admitting it in writing that it came from the NIH. But now we have really the smoking gun, and that is Fauci in private saying the opposite of what he was saying in public. Yeah, he was emailing. He was sending communications about 
um, that lab in Wuhan and the funding for that lab in Wuhan and the things that were being done there. Yes, you, you seem to have a lot of information now. And uh, credit Rand Paul uh, more so than anyone else, I think, in this, because he has been pretty much locked in for years now in going after and attacking and, and making sure to to ask as many tough questions as humanly possible of Dr. Anthony Fauci every time he appeared in front of Congress, which may have very well benefited him at this point to say, because he's the one who asked the question, did you ever fund gain-of-function research? And the answer is no. And a lot of people said that might have been a semantic kind of argument and position, but it seems less and less so. So that feels like a big deal. And I don't see that story a lot of places. And then let's do one more thing, and then we'll take a break. I do also think this is – is there's a nice insight here into how people discuss things when we're on opposite sides and assume that the person who's on the opposite side of us is far on their side. I think that's sort of a, a unique thing of the last few years, although you can text me and tell me I'm wrong. 309-340-4464 is the text number. 309-340-4464. Whenever you disagree with someone, it seems like that assumption gets made by the person you're disagreeing with on whatever the issue might be that, oh, oh they're far off on the right or far off on the left. And you might not be far. You might just not agree with the thing they said. And this conversation about Ukraine, it is nuanced. And uh, CNN discovered this. John King interviewed people, uh, interviewed voters, I think, in Iowa about this heard some criticism from just American people and then had a unique take on hating their ideas, but defending them as humans and not, you know, what other politicians would say about people that seem to support the side that CNN definitely is not on. When you hear the Ukraine exchange there, it's like watching the open of an old Tucker Carlson show. He's not there anymore, but that's what it is. And these are busy people. These are hardworking people. Uh, there are too many Democrats who want to say they're deplorables or, you know, why talk to these people? Uh, there are millions of them. Uh, this right. is a family that literally is. All right, first, I want to stop it right there. Yes, this is something I say on this show a lot. There are a lot of people that support the other side. And I think the biggest mistake we both make, uh, Democrats and Republicans, is assuming that your side is, is vastly uh, larger than the, the opposing position, because the data seems to say it's not. Here, let's continue. It's an economic anchor in the community. The business started in the basement, employs 80 people. The new solar company employs 15 people in a part of the country that has been devastated economically and challenged economically the last 25 years. They're good people. They raise money for the Girl Scouts. They go to church. But they believe things that would break our fact check. <laughs> That's just a fact. Okay, here. Uh, one of the things that I've said in the world of why criticism, and I think this is something that Tucker Carlson actually says, too, uh, in the world of why criticism exists for the United States giving however much money, any amount of money, doesn't matter, uh, to Ukraine uh, to continue to fight against Russia is because there's no definitive end goal. And that, that matters in, in things like this, in any sort of conflict. You want an objective. You want a, a set of standards, a mission, essentially, that you can uh, complete. And when that's completed, you, well, stop. Um, and peace, of course, is the desire. But the way in which Ukraine wants peace to go is different than the way, and I say this a lot on this show, that the United States or anyone in Europe, anyone that's not Ukraine, would want peace to go. Ukraine wants to take back Crimea. Ukraine wants to make itself whole and take back contested parts of, of the country that have been long contested, like the Donbass region. Uh, those are the objectives now, and they've been given the equipment and the funding to do it, so they're doing it. And no one should blame them. 
Uh, that makes sense. Ukraine was attacked by Russia. Ukraine wants to definitively defeat Russia and win back certain territory before having Russia surrender or Russia, you know, call a, a peace treaty. Uh, that's not going to happen. Russia isn't going to give in and then also give up. And so it takes the people funding the war to tell the people that you're funding, you know, the war with that there are objectives that have to be in the middle. There, there's some sort of compromise. And that's all I've said. And I get accused of being far right for that opinion, uh, that you should just um, – and I think they're asking for billions of more dollars today uh, that we might send to Ukraine and have still no real sense of, of understanding what it means for that conflict to be over. And that does make you wonder why we wouldn't care. Um, and I know that we've said before we do, the politicians in front of the microphones or the spokespeople have said that, yes, they do not want to see the counteroffensive go as far as Ukraine wants it to go. Uh, but no one's stopping them. And again, no, I'm not blaming them. I, I want Ukraine to defeat Russia. I think we should uh, give money to Ukraine and not allow it to be absorbed by Russia. All that makes sense. I'm not saying anything uh, further than simply saying that there should be objectives that they don't seem to agree with uh, that we should kind of force them to agree with. Because, again, you can't fund this forever and you can't assume uh, that Ukraine could fight this war without us or anyone else uh, because, you know, they can't. And so you have to have that that win the place you think you can get it. Anyway, that's that's far right uh, fact check broken uh, version of thinking, according to CNN. And, uh, yeah, I do not agree that that makes any sense at all as far as something that, you know, is is a a deep conspiracy tinfoil hat, whatever the, the thing is. while also saying that there's good people who think the things that John um, uh, King doesn't. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD, Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Let's do some more silly audio stuff that's out there in the world. There's a new avocado. <laughs> I like saying that sentence. Uh, apparently, they invented one. The University of California, Riverside, has created the Luna UCR. They worked in the initials for their school, uh, Avocado. Uh, we even have one of the people uh, behind this talking about it, talking about the benefits of it. She compares it to all the different apples. That exists out there is weird. Uh, science has made an avocado. Uh, thank God. That is, I, I know a lot of us really worried about this. It's like if you think about you go to the store now and you see this collection of different apple varieties. But they, they all taste like apples, but uh -huh. they're all subtly different. Sure. And the Luna UCR is an avocado. It eats like an avocado, but it has a different eating experience than the Hass. <laughs> it's uh, a uh -huh. smoother textured. But it's a very nice eating quality fruit. <laughs> That's good. Good to know. It's a better eating experience. Uh, you might just pluck one off a tree and consume it right there. Uh, that is uh, Mary Lou, who's talking about the unique benefits to their their uh, scientifically created. And I'm sure a lot of people will already be skeptical. And I don't blame you for being skeptical. I don't know why we're working on this. I don't know what the, the benefit of it is, again, necessarily. But it's out there and maybe it's delicious. Uh, who knows? Uh, I also want to play this audio. Uh, this is just kind of feel-good audio. So a dog chased a bear away from a toddler. And after this happened, uh, the dad sat down and interviewed his kid and asked him questions and then also, um, you know, asked if he's doing – if he's okay. And what I love about this back and forth and probably the reason this little 10 seconds of this 
uh, video went viral is the, the toddler was actually worried about the dog. So the dog saves the kid, and then the kid is worried about the dog, and the bear just runs off. Here we go. Were you scared? Yeah. Yeah. But then once you knew Jake was okay, you're okay then, right? Yeah, he got quite a few treats. He got some ice cream that night. Uh, he got a bat that night. Yeah, yeah he would. He got the whole nine yards. Yeah, the dog would get a lot of rewards, a lot of uh, as many treats as you want for the whole evening uh, for saving a kid. Uh, but I love that. And I love the fact that the kid was like, yeah, I was scared. And then once the dog was fine, I was fine. Uh, dogs are great. Uh, they're the best, actually. Uh, I've said this as a joke at times, and people do get mad. I've been sent some angry attacks uh, at some point. Uh, dogs are better than cats. It's just a definitive thing. Uh, dogs love you more. Uh, when you show up at the house, they're happier about it. When you leave, they're sadder. Uh, they save your life. They do all kinds of things, and they don't want to eat you at all. Uh, cats do, uh, which is, I think, a study out there, too. So I'm not, I'm not judging you if you have cats. Um, obviously, they don't actually attack, but they're just not as good as dogs. Come on. Let's be honest. Uh, all right. Let me play this audio, too. Uh, I know this isn't a sports show. I, I am tempted to play it, though. Uh, if you were traded from one team to another team, and then in your first home start as a pitcher uh, for the Phillies, you throw a no-hitter, they're going to be big fans of yours. You're going to have a few weeks now where you can probably do no wrong. Uh, that happened for a pitcher uh, just last night. Here's some of the audio. Swung on, popped up, shallow center field. Rojas sprinting in, he's under it, makes the catch, and Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. He is being mobbed by his teammates <laughs> as the Phillies shut out the Nationals 7-0. Yeah, he was just traded at the trade deadline from Detroit uh, to uh, Philadelphia, and then you throw a no-hitter in your home debut. The thing I liked most about this, and probably the thing I like most about baseball, is the human element feels different. And I don't know how to explain that better, but they kept showing um, Michael Lorenzen's family they were in the stands. They were watching his home debut. And, like, mom starts crying. Uh, this this professional baseball pitcher's mother is weeping in the stands as her son is throwing a, a no-hitter in his Phillies debut. And I don't think that other sports do that as well. I don't think when LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, there was a shot of mom crying in the stands. Those things, for some reason, like when Aaron Judge was going after the AL home run record last year, Ma was in the stands everywhere. And they were showing uh, Aaron Judge's mother and uh, I think uh, Roger Maris Jr. a bunch. They even hugged after um, he broke Roger Maris's AL record. Those things seem cool. And I think it's one of the reasons that baseball's just better. Uh, dogs are better. Baseball's better. Hot takes uh, to end this hour of the show. Uh, I saw this story. I thought this was kind of interesting, too, as just other stuff out there in the world. Um, Americans admit that only about 56 percent of the purchases we make are worth every penny, uh, meaning we buy a lot of stuff we don't think is worth the money we're spending on it. A survey of 2000 adults uh, revealed that the average um, you know, amount of purchases we're happy with is what it is. And then 15 percent admit they're satisfied with only about 20 percent of the things that they purchase or less. You know, it's funny. My wife has to kind of be um, encouraged to buy something for herself. She doesn't buy a lot of things on her own um, with her own money. She, you know, is is very good at saving. I'm very bad at saving. So we're, we're, we work out well as, as a couple. If we were both bad at saving, uh, we would not be doing as well as we're doing right now. Um, but when I encourage her a lot to buy stuff, anything for herself, and then she does, she often will walk out of the store with that same feeling like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have got this. And it's usually just because you rethink 
the price of it or, or something else. Uh, but at the end of the day, more often than not, if you give it a couple more days, you wind up happy again. So I wonder if the people who are asked this question think about the immediate walkout moment. And if that starts to feel like, oh, I could have saved that money, I could have spent it on something else and not necessarily like the, the down the road feeling about stuff, uh, because I know I waste my money on certain things. Uh, I'll admit it. You should admit it. We can all admit it. Uh, but there's a bunch of stuff that would be, you know, like technology, uh, my speakers that I bought for my basement to go with my projector. I didn't need to buy them. Uh, and they weren't crazy expensive. I bought the cheaper Amazon ones, but I'm very happy with them every time I watch a Yankee game and I have surround sound. And the giant uh, projector screen, I'm, that's a very good moment for me. So any level of regret is immediately washed away. Or if I watch um, uh, um, a Fast and Furious movie, uh, which I often do alone because no one else that I know really likes those Fast and Furious movies. I even made my family watch one when they came to visit recently, my brother, uh, his wife, their kids. And most people in the room either fell asleep or walked away. And it was very, very sad. And I think we're watching like Fast and Furious 9 which I think is a pretty great movie. But anyway, those are moments where I don't regret my purchases. That's my hack for you is, is you know, use the purchase the way you intended it, and maybe the regret goes away. And I feel bad for people who only like 20% of the things they buy. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470 is AM, 100.3 is an FM, and all over the Internet, WMBDradio.com. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Let's get right to it. Um, Buck Sexton did an interview with Mediaite.com. Uh, they do a, a weekly, I think, or monthly interview where they talk to people about all kinds of stuff. And I thought a couple of things he said were interesting. Uh, he is a radio host, of course, and other stuff. I don't want to promote too much, uh, but I did think he gave interesting answers to some of these questions. Uh, the first one was he was talking about Trump more in general, about the weaknesses of the former president. And this is what Buck Sexton said is one of the biggest challenges that Trump as an individual faces. Trump's weakness as a as a guy is very clear. He 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 wants loyalty and people who love him. And I don't think that's uh, that serves him well. I don't think it served him well then. I don't think it would serve him well in the future. Um, he's admitted he made a lot of a lot of bad decisions about personnel, but I think it was driven by the fact that he wants people who they're just all about Team Trump. And it's easy for it's easy to fake that. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's easy to put that on when you sure. want that big job. And Diana, a lot of people will all of a sudden, and we've seen this, right? There have been big Trump critics who all of a sudden turn into, oh, well, that was then, this is now, and hey, maybe I'm going to be Secretary of State. Or, you know, hey, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you, need a, you need a person who, one, with, uh, with Trump, I think he was unwilling to rely on the, the system of who was in place before, in some ways, in some place. Yeah, I do agree with that, too, that he was unwilling to rely on uh, some people that were in certain positions to give him information that he uh, would believe. Um, and so I, I do I really thought that was interesting uh, that someone who's who's, you know, fairly well known in the world of of political conversation in Buck Sexton uh, says that the biggest challenge that the president, former president faces is his willingness to believe somebody loves him, even if somebody really doesn't, because that that is at the heart of what the criticism is there. And the people who were put in positions of power when Trump was in office last time, who he now is not a fan of at all, uh, that is essentially played out as far as what Sexton is saying, a little bit more of where he went on on some of those other challenges. Like he didn't pick 
Rex Tillerson, for example, is not a State Department guy. That didn't work out very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he underestimated the strength and the uh, – I think he underestimated the ossification of the bureaucracy, if that's – way I could put it. That's an interesting way to put it. I I do um, believe very much, and I think a lot of people do believe this, that whatever version of a thing that that Trump specifically, and I'm going this road too, uh, ran on in the past of outing the deep state obviously didn't work. Um, However much was learned in the uh, years that he was in office, if right now you believe that everything that's happening to the former president is a byproduct of the political machine that he was fighting, he obviously didn't beat it, at least not yet. And so I do think that that's an interesting version. And I've heard it before as a criticism of Trump, that he was given the chance once already to be in office and somehow, some way, the things that he promised to deliver on and the things that actually occurred um, are are different, especially in the world of the amount of of power or the amount of control that might still exist within the the machine itself, uh, the way that uh, Buck Sexton is saying. And again, I've said on this show that uh, the the deep state conversation is one that I I'm uh, a little bit nuanced on, and I don't know how much this is helping me to say it on the air, but darn it, I'm going to say it. I do think there are people that want to control stuff that are in positions of power. I do think that the bureaucracies that exist in our government are overwhelmingly democratic, and you can actually see that, uh, especially in the way in which people that have government jobs that they're not voted into, that they get, uh, donate to the Democratic Party, not the Republic. It's it's sort of like social media when Twitter or Facebook had these overwhelmingly large donations to Democrats, not Republicans. That's the easiest way to tell the ideology of people in positions that are supposed to be uh, in the middle. But as I say that, I think there are a lot of people who just believe the stuff they hear and don't need to be controlled. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of people, even people in media, uh, who um, toe the line and convince you that they're uh, in on the take that didn't even need to be given anything to do or say what they do or say. But anyway, I want to move on. Uh, this is something that I also thought was interesting uh, in the world of uh, Sexton and talking to Mediate about Trump. Uh, when he talked about the charges themselves, he called them serious accusations, but then went into, as many of us do, uh, the belief that it's all um, unfair and, and crap for other reasons. But back to, I mean, the, the crux of your question is, are these serious crimes? I mean, first of all, there's there are serious allegations as a function of statute. But then again, you know, we sit here and we say, is the likely conspiracy that Joe Biden was engaged in to allow his son Hunter to sell influence to the highest public office in America for millions of dollars, including to adversaries like China? That's not proven yet. Uh, I think if we had a different attorney general, a different administration, there would very well or there could very well be indictments relating to that. Um they're serious allegations, but that doesn't mean that, one, they're true, and two, uh, I think to decontextualize them from the political realm is uh, to do a disservice to the overall – or, you know, for someone to say, like, well, you know, he did – Yeah, no, here, I'll stop it there. I, I do absolutely agree with that second part of what he's saying, too, uh, that if you uh, try to say that these issues or these uh, charges or whatever it is uh, that's facing the former president uh, have to be completely, um, you know, in their own – uh, um, uh, cone of, of thinking about them or understanding them or, or considering them and irrelevant to whether or not he's running for office or the leading candidate on the Republican side, anything in the world of, of just pretending the politics don't exist, that is ridiculous. Uh, and a, a certain mode of discussing this or talking about this that I think a lot of people on a certain side of the aisle want 
uh, the conversation to go because they they just want to see Trump in trouble and Trump not become the next president of the United States, even though he may very well run uh, from jail if he's put there. And actually, I'll even throw this out there before I play one other piece of audio and then we'll take a break. I did think this was interesting. Uh, The former president has rejected the requirement by uh, the GOP to sign a loyalty pledge before participating in any debates. Uh, The loyalty pledge essentially says that whoever wins the Republican nomination is someone that uh, they would support. And so DeSantis, anyone else will likely sign this in order to debate. Trump will not. Uh, This is the same thing uh, that was talked about in 2016 and in 2020. If Trump ran as an independent, not I guess not really talked about in 2020, if Trump ran as an independent, he would decimate the Republican Party. Uh, there'd be no way that any Republican candidate would have a shot in in anything of getting elected. And I I'll just say it this way and then I'll move on from uh, Trump stuff specifically. Uh, but I, I do believe that if you're someone as strong willed is the way I'll say it as the former president, there is a zero percent chance that you would stop your your um, attempt to be our next president, even if you don't win the nominee, which seems unlikely. All the polls make it very, very likely uh, that Trump will be the Republican nominee. But if somehow he wasn't, um, I think there's a 100 percent chance he would just keep running a campaign. Uh, absolutely. And then it would probably be at a tremendous benefit to the Democrats if that happened to have two candidates uh, pulling for votes. All right. I want to play one other piece of audio and then I want to take a break. Uh, This is CNN again. Um, I don't know why I've enjoyed some of the CNN audio today, uh, but this is talking to a um, President Biden campaign manager about how unenthusiastic people are, Democrats and Democrat leaning voters are for the current president. It couldn't be worse, I don't think. Here we go kind of bigger picture. We've seen a lot of polls that show voters aren't that enthusiastic about a Joe Biden re-election. And just last month, CNN had a poll that found 75 percent of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters want someone else. How do you turn that around? Well, we know that, you know, polls are snapshots in time. um, And we know that it's important that we're not taking anything and any vote for granted um, this election cycle. And so now I am seven and now I don't I don't care anymore. Um, But so so many things are true about how few people uh, and honestly, you can talk to pretty much anyone and you don't even have to say what your political uh, opinion is uh, about the belief that Biden's been good at his job or he's he's the person they want back in office again, even back in office again, uh, the the uh, second part feeling like the more important part uh, to me. Um, but that part being um, uh, more or less that if you do. Um, um, sorry, I've, I've been distracted by a couple of things coming in via text uh, that I'll get to in a little bit later on. Uh, but if, if you do um, uh, accept the idea that Biden is so tremendously unpopular, then I don't understand how you run the campaign the way you're running it or not um, allow uh, maybe, as the Democratic Party probably should, uh, more people uh, to uh, be in that fight than are in it right now. That seems to be the the thing that most dooms uh, the likelihood of a reelection for uh, Biden or any Democrat is an unwillingness to consider other options, uh, not necessarily the strength of the opponent, uh, even though, of course, in every poll and now in some polls, uh, Trump has even demonstrated to be beating uh, Biden, which not surprising. I think a lot of people would vote against the current president, uh, even if they don't vote for Biden, they wouldn't uh, be voting. Even if they don't vote for Biden, they may not vote for Trump, but it won't matter. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 
100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. I appreciate the texts that come in uh, throughout the show, and I'll tell you what I got distracted about uh, a little bit ago during my last segment. Because I remember uh, quite a bit in 2016 uh, talking about it, uh, that Trump would run as an independent if he lost the Republican nomination. John Ackerman, a listener to the show and texter, uh, said that he couldn't, Trump couldn't run because of sore loser laws, uh, which I do know exist. I thought it was in uh, less states than it appears to be. Twenty-eight states, including the state of Illinois, have laws that do not allow you, if you lose the uh, nomination of a party, if you run uh, for the Republican nomination, as Trump is doing, and lose, uh, you can't be on the ballot as an independent. Uh, It's not all the states, so there's a lot of states that you'd still be allowed to be on a ballot there. You'd still cause uh, havoc excuse me, and uh, chaos, I think is what I was trying to do, Uh, put two words together. And Trump has many, many times uh, threatened to do that. And that's the biggest reason why he wouldn't sign, I think, a a um, um, a document that says that he promises to support whoever would win the nomination if it's not him. And then I guess I'll just say that there are people that argue that sore loser laws are unconstitutional. And uh, in August of 2018, a federal judge sided with North Carolina uh, affiliated to the Constitution Party and agreeing that retroactive application of the state's sore loser law was unconstitutional as applied to the newly uh, formed party. Uh, but there, there's probably more legal challenges, essentially, and this is sort of funny to talk about, if um, somehow, some way, which I don't believe this will occur, Trump tried to keep running after not winning the Republican nomination, I'd be mired in, in um, legal battles, which sounds very familiar and, and very familiar to, to Trump right now. But again, I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I don't want anyone listening to the show to think that I'm trying to say that a guy who's got as big of a lead as he has right now on the Republican side of the aisle won't prob- won't get the nomination. In all likelihood, he will. Uh, but it, it would be an interesting thing. But I do thank John uh, for texting in and giving some context to that conversation. Anyone else that was yelling at the radio, he can't do it. Sword loser laws, he can't do it. Uh, he can and he can't. It's it's a mixed bag. Uh, did, would that stop him? I don't think so. Uh, I'll say that about the former president, too, is I don't I don't think he would. I personally care. Uh, Other stuff out there that I thought was interesting, just real quick, and then I'll I'll move on from politics to do something a little bit different. Uh, Joe Manchin is seriously considering leaving the Democratic Party as the least surprising news of the day uh, that came out today. Uh, He is one of those uh, people who often votes against uh, the rest of of Democrats in the Senate. And so much like uh, Kirsten Sinema, who's no longer a a Democrat, he probably uh, will not be one. I imagine he would uh, just, you know, have no political affiliate, no party independent, uh, whatever. He doesn't agree with the brands. He doesn't like any of the brands, uh, according to a radio um, interview he did today. And then other stuff out there, uh, just moving on to some things that are less serious in nature. I thought this was interesting. A woman who says that her family is vegan, which means the woman is definitely vegan, and she's raising her children to be vegan, uh, she's in Australia, has said that she won't remove the head lice from one of her children, her daughter, because it goes against her vegan beliefs. Uh, The head lice have to stay. People do not like this. People are not okay with this. Uh, The daughter is seven years old. Uh, You should definitely remove head lice uh, from a child. Uh, but she doesn't like the way in which it happens, the pesticides and the other things. And so the mom is against it. And the Internet is up in arms uh, with a whole lot of people asking a whole lot of questions and also trying to desperately come up with methods that would kill the head lice that would not be against whatever the uh, mother in Australia thinks is is too far. Uh, you know what? This, totally disconnected. Um, but this made me think of something. I have a nephew who's like 11, 12 now. I think he's 12. 
Um, when he was younger, like six, seven years old, he decided he wanted to be vegetarian. And he told his mom, uh, he told my brother, who's his dad, and they're like, okay. And then actually uh, my sister-in-law decided if he's going to be vegetarian, I'll try to be it. And you'd ask him, a little kid, why? And he's like, I like animals. I like them. I don't, I don't want to eat them anymore. And we're like, okay, that's fine, man. And he is no longer a vegetarian. He has uh, since transition, transitioned back to being a, a carnivore, uh, a member of the meat-eating family uh, with myself, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, but I, I like the way that that happened. In his, nobody really questioned him or forced him, and I think they found ways to make sure he was getting all the food and stuff he needed the protein and whatnot he needed. Well, he was very passionate as a little kid about that. And then it just wore off. It just went away because uh, he would sit there and the rest of the family would eat food that he wouldn't eat. And he started to want it again. And then he started eating it. And so I, I just thought that unlike in this scenario where the mom seems to be raising her kids so definitively a thing uh, that she is, uh, so much so that she's not removing lice from a kid's hair, um, that seems to be the wrong way to do it. Your kids might wind up agreeing and finding whatever the things are that you believe in or that you do. But I, I can't imagine the inverse of my own uh, family situation where it wasn't the, the kid that was saying they wanted to do something, but the parent telling the kid to do something and the kid just having to follow along. Uh, so I, I did, again, uh, think about and really like uh, the way that my family handled something like that. And then the fact that the kid now loves hamburgers and cheeseburgers and all the all the and steak. Uh, it's pretty great, uh, my nephew. Uh, one other thing out there, uh, just quickly, and then we'll throw to some news. And then Betty's coming up after the news with her word of the day. Um, but I thought this was interesting. It's also a, a mom causing controversy online. Uh, apparently, she got mad because her husband told her sons that they were allowed to go, number one, standing up, which is one of the great joys of being a man. Uh, going to the restroom, standing up. Uh, she said she's no longer cleaning the bathroom because the kids have terrible aim. Uh, they, if they sit, she'll clean the restroom. If they stand, Pop has to clean the restroom. Uh, people have all different kinds of reactions to this. I actually don't totally hate her, her position. You know, the, the bad aim thing is a thing that happens. And uh, if, it, if it's pretty bad, if it's uh, pretty crazy, you might recommend that people do sit and not stand. But Pop was defiant. Uh, Pop was strong in his opinion. And again, as I said, one of the great joys of being a man. Um, so I, I, I don't think I 100% agree, but I'm closer to agreeing with the mom. Uh, than maybe most people are on social media because it's probably a lot to clean up. There's probably a lot of things you don't want to know about going on there. And she says it's also just laziness. She thinks anybody can hit targets if they're trying to. Um, and I, I remember actually just one last thing. I can't believe I'm talking about this. My grandmother had up in her house for a long time is if you sprinkle when you tinkle, uh, please be sweet and wipe the seat. It sounds like they're also not doing that. So maybe that's part of the problem, too. All right. Quick break. Will's got the news. AM, it's 1470, FM 100.3, all over the Internet. But you can get us on your smart speaker, too. In your house, you're doing your dishes. You're like, man, I'd like to listen to some of that sweet, sweet radio. Uh, play WMBT radio, and you'll hear Will Stevenson talking about this. Fourteen seventy. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. We got a whole lot to talk about is what my wife was just saying again and again in studio. Betty, how are you doing? Good, Craig. Good. I was saying that you should bring us in. You uh, could do the intro instead of me because you were repeating the stuff I say. Yes. Uh, right. And just do it real quick. Uh, 1470. 1470. 100.3. 100.3. WMBD. WMBD. This is the Betty Collins Show. This is the Betty Collins Show. <laughs> what else, Betty? 
Uh, and we've got a lot to talk about. We've got about a whole it. lot to talk about today. Yes. yes, we do. Yeah, okay, good. I have a few topics for you, and then you'll give us the word of the day. Um, you're teaching us Spanish, all of central Illinois, one word at a time. I never remember any of the words from previous days. <laughs> That's not good. i got to start writing them down. Yeah, you, you got to. Yeah. Yeah, we got to put them up on social media or something. Uh, first, I saw this. There is an addictive loop that exists, according to a new study, in the world of social media. Uh, this is out of Yale. Uh, not only is the uh, loop addictive, but it actually causes a lot of the anger and things that you see on a lot of social media and then also a lot of the, the negative emotions that come from social media. It's just because of how addictive it is, uh, first and foremost, and how often people are going to it without anything to share, anything to put up, or you know whatever they're seeing, they're, they're getting jealous maybe of other people who seem to be doing more stuff. Uh, I bring this up because you deleted almost all of your social media years ago. Uh, yeah. You only have uh, one form of social media, yeah. uh, Twitter. Uh, that's it. Nothing else. To, Nothing well, else. TikTok, you use TikTok, I guess. Uh, since the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, since the pandemic, to watch videos before you go to bed. Yeah. Uh, but you just didn't like being on any of the other things for exactly this reason. Like, you, you didn't like the mood it put you in, right? Yeah, no, I got stressed for no reason. Just mm-hmm. like to look around and all the news and all the stuff out there. And I was like, I, well, I don't need this. I, I mean, don't want I just this. Need, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like, um, and and I have Twitter, but now that I get uh, notifications about X instead of Twitter, I'm like, <laughs> uh, no. You don't like the new name? No, no, no. Yeah. It's it's just like, it's. I mean, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, why I not just keep it Twitter? Twitter. Sure, yeah. I got you. Yeah, it's harder to find on my phone now as an app. That's that's yeah. fine. I like that. That's what you're done with. It's like I'm no, done. it's X. Yeah, no, no it's X. It's uh, barely yeah. use it anymore yeah. either. Yeah. You know, what's actually funny is uh, we used to do this thing at a different radio station where you'd make NFL picks, and the NFL season is coming up. We I can know, do this again. Yes, yes. I could add this to your segments when yeah. you do on the show, and you would always make your picks based on what animal you thought could defeat the other animal in yes. a fight. So yes. if I said like a bear versus a 49er, a bear is a, a pretty tough animal, 49ers a guy, you would pick the bears. You'd be like, they'll definitely beat the 49ers yeah. every single time. That's how you made your pick. Or uh, San, San Francisco. Those are the 49ers. Yes. Yeah. And yes. They, they would not do well against a bear, against well, a panther. But sometimes I used to tell you, I remember with uh, San Francisco, I say like, I'm going to cheer for San Francisco because you like San, San Francis too. Oh, St. Francis too. Yes, actually. Right. Yes. Um, yes. I, I understand the Right. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. There were a lot of really fun reasons why yes. you made your picks. And so anyone that thinks that you're going to be done with social media because it changed its name or that you're not, that that's a joke. It is. Betty, Betty takes this stuff seriously. Uh, it's very annoying to her. It's just like uh, very annoying to get a, a notification mm-hmm. saying like, "Oh, you got a next uh, uh, notification for yeah. X." You're like, like, "I don't know what no, X is." Uh, uh, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, one other thing out there that I like that I wanted to just throw out at you real quickly too as a topic: uh, a guy, a UPS driver, delivered a package and then fell over kind of crazy as he was walking away from the house. He's fine. He's young. He didn't, yeah. didn't hurt himself. But he thought it was so funny that he wrote a note and left it on the door because he noticed they had a ring doorbell that said, if you want a good laugh today, watch me fall over like an idiot as I leave your house. And it's viral because they watched it and he even left like a a number where he said, please text me the video so I can show my friends. Um, But I love that response. I just made a, a dummy of myself in front of someone's camera. Yeah. Um, and I think more people should probably do this, but it, it went viral and it's it's pretty uh, great. You would really love that if we had. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. I mean, I know it could be mean, but 
I mean, they do so much. Like I was, I was watching like an, an Amazon uh, delivery guy today mm-hmm. here, like by the entrance of the building, with like all those packages. And he has like a pile of like boxes, and I was like, oh my god, I should run and help him to open the the, the door. Sure. But he was like, he's like a pro. He was like a pro opening, Just like throwing everything. Yeah. No, he was holding everything, pushing all all the boxes toward toward the the uh, mm-hmm. door, and with the, his other hand. It's amazing whatever. the way he could do that. Yeah, okay. it's just like, uh, oh, yeah, like. Yeah, and yet still, if they fall over and they tell you to watch it on video, you might. Yeah, laugh I was yeah. expecting for him to like all those boxes, but no, mm-hmm. they are good. Yeah, they yeah, no, he had good. already put the boxes down, so this guy who fell over, it was just him, just biting <laughs> the dirt just for a second. Right. And then one last thing I want to share with you, and then you'll do uh, Betty's word of the day. Uh, this is also a ring doorbell uh, video, but this is two kids. And the kids are calling their mom on the ring doorbell. They don't have a phone, I guess, to call mom. So the, the little boy hits the doorbell and knows that it'll turn on mom's phone. And mom is not at home, obviously. And he's trying to ask for help with his iPad. And mom keeps trying to say, where is dad? Because dad's home. But dad obviously is not the one who's going to fix the thing. Yeah. And so a lot of people are saying that this is an indication that this mom does a lot more work with the kids than Pop does. Yes. Uh, and they're finding it pretty funny. So here, uh, we'll play a little bit of this. Uh, this is uh, two kids because I think a, a little girl walks into the shot at some point too that need help from mom who's at work, who's being contacted via a ring doorbell, not even a phone call, and dad's MIA. Colton. Colton. Colton, what do you want? Hi. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. I don't know what time it's Daddy, Mommy. Daddy. <laughs> um, did, by I, the way, he just said my tablet's dead, and then he said I need Mommy as he pointed to the, uh, the ring. I don't know. I don't know. He did this, bro. I can't always say it. Mommy, my tablet's not. Where are you right <laughs> now? Where's Daddy? We, we don't know where Dad is. Um, my tablet's not working. <laughs> Daddy. My tablet's dead. Her tablet's my tablet's dead. Off it's frozen. Yeah, and... Mom, stop asking where dad is. I don't know why you keep asking where dad is. Mommy, my tablet's dead. Where's your dad? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I didn't know. Let me show you a little okay? And then he ran away. He just ran away toward the end. He's like, all right, fine, I'll go look for him. But no that's... idea where he's his dad. <laughs> he doesn't care about right. his dad. He just does care about his tablet. Yeah, he wants mom to help him fix yes. the tablet. Yes. Um, yes. It reminded me a lot of so your... Adorable. It reminded me a lot of your nieces and nephews and your mother, your their grandmother, because they turn to her for everything, it seems like. Uh, yeah. A couple of your yeah. nieces, yeah. they'll go to grandma before they'll go to their own parents oh, totally. to check yeah, on stuff. 100%. And so they say that, that there's, there's like a go-to person for kids in families is probably the favorite that yes, they have. Yes. But apparently those kids all really like mom and yeah. not dad. Yeah, yeah it is so funny because actually like uh, one of my nieces, she always going to go with grandma rather than than, mm-hmm. than her mom. Her mom or yes. her dad, yes. yes. Yeah, she, that's that's the case with those kids. Yeah, like, like a heat-seeking missile. For the mom. She finds, yeah, grandma all the time. <laughs> Rather than the, than the dad. That's amazing. All right, uh, what's the Spanish word of the day for you? You're teaching a Spanish one word at the time. What's today? Liendre. Uh oh. Um, that seems easy, but I don't think it is. It's easy. Can you say it one more time? Liendre. 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 Did I get it pretty close? Yes. Liendre. What does that mean? Uh, it's a bog. Okay, it's, it's a, a bog. It's a, a lice. 
Uh, oh, lice. Yes. Oh, it's lice. Leandre from the, the story I told earlier exactly. of the vegan mom who doesn't want to remove lice yeah. from her daughter's hair because yes. she doesn't have anything she can use that yes. she says is vegan. Okay. Leandre. Is Leandre. Right. Leandre is singular. Leandres. Leandres. Plural. Yeah, that little kid has a lot of Leandres right now. <laughs> yes, not a lot of help. Not yet. happy. Poor kid. Yes, not yes. happy at all. all right, He's thank- scratching his, his head a lot. <laughs> yeah, thank you very, very much for that, uh, for teaching us Spanish one word at a time and for helping me out with all that stuff. A quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Thrilled to have you with us on a Thursday. Um, I like this weather, by the way. I don't know if I, I say that a lot. I like warmer weather. I like like medium weather. I think a lot of people do probably. That's probably not a hot take at all. Uh, but let me know uh, if you feel good about the weather out there. Uh, if you miss some of the warmest weather, I doubt many do. Uh, and text me for any other reason, 309-340-4464, 309-340-4464. A couple quick things. Uh, North Korea is inviting golfers to play a golf course. They say that Kim Jong-il uh, one shot an 11 hole in one uh, round on, and they're saying that come on and try to see if you can do what he did. And a whole lot of people are saying, well, that was crap the first time. Uh, we don't believe what state media in North Korea says, so we're not really holding our breath for this. I would not show up to try to golf that course and then see if I could not shoot the 11 holes in one and then complain about it because uh, you might disappear after. But they're they're doing it. They're inviting people to go. Uh, also, uh, this story, uh, which I just I thought this was interesting, and I don't think that the intention of this for me or, or anyone is to to say um, something negative about someone that would be going through uh, something really difficult. Uh, but apparently, a new study found that a lot of cancer patients binge drink even during chemotherapy when they're uh, not supposed to. Uh, the new study revealed a surprising number of people turned to alcohol uh, to uh, such a degree. Um, which is considered binge drinking, I guess, because maybe there's days where you don't and then days where you you do uh, quite a bit. Uh, Almost 15,200 cancer survivors surveyed, 78% were current drinkers of alcohol. Of those, 24% were found to be binge drinkers. 38% drank alcohol to a degree considered hazardous uh, based on a standardized test. Um, These are things that I guess are being reported on to try to encourage people uh, that go through something like that to to resist because it, it um, has an impact on the likelihood and success of, of treatment and whatnot. But at the same time, like as I was reading through this and then thinking about myself in any of those situations, I even if I had a loved one who um, was doing things they shouldn't be doing while dealing with that, I don't think I'd tell them how to deal with it. I don't think any part of me would want to tell, the, you know, I, and I, that might sound bad, but I would just assume because it's a very difficult process Um, Whenever you've had anyone that you've known that's gone through it, that, you know, if they're still showing up and doing their treatments and trying um, to to, you know, uh, whatever it is they they can do to to beat cancer, I, I don't know that I would judge them. And that that might sound overly woke and millennial of me. I don't know. I, I just can't see myself in a situation where I'd even be bringing up stats like this and trying to to make people who are fighting uh, through certain things like that um, change behavior. Uh, but a lot of people do it. So um, out of cancer survivors, 77.2% of women said they were current drinkers. 78.6% of men said that they were current drinkers uh, to some extent whatsoever. All right. Other stuff out there, uh, just moving on. I saw this. I thought this was interesting. It was a debate that was raging on social media. Are you a bedroom parent or a living room parent is the question. Uh, if you have kids, 
uh, or if I guess even maybe you could say this for grandparents too, when the kids are around, do you spend a lot of time in your bedroom away from the children or do you spend a lot of time in your living room even if the kids aren't there anymore? And I assume this is mostly for little kids because as kids get older, as I've seen with my nieces and nephews, they're not in the living room anymore. They're hanging out in their bedroom all the time. Uh, but the the question, I guess, is asked by a, uh, a parenting expert because uh, she says one of the worst things you can do uh, early on uh, for your kids is not be there, uh, be in the other room a whole lot. And I think that probably most parents do this. I, I didn't know that this would be a big question, uh, depending on, again, the age of your kids. I don't think there's a lot of parents who just shut the door, spend all their time in the bedroom and go, like, stay away from me. Uh, that's probably not good. But 309-340-4464, if you want to weigh in on it, 309-340-4464. This is tied to... Some other conversations uh, that have gone on in the world of social media about how much time parents spend on their devices, uh, whether or not they're spending way more time than kids are around kids on devices. Uh, that might not be a good thing. That's obviously not a good thing. Uh, but if you're just in your room, even if you're not on the device or hiding in your room to get on the device, all of those things are not, not necessarily uh, great. I was trying to think of my own childhood. Um, and where my mom would stay. We just had one parent. We grew up in a one-parent home, so I feel like Ma had to be paying attention to us. Uh, but then also, and I assume a lot of young people uh, felt this of their generation growing up that's not this current generation, when you were outside with other kids and, and playing, like you were just you just outside. That You were around a bunch of other people, so it didn't matter. That's another thing that feels like it doesn't exist now. I can't tell you the last time I was in my own neighborhood walking around or any other, you know, neighborhood and saw just like a group of neighbor kids all playing. Does that happen that much anymore? There are a bunch of neighborhoods in town where a lot of the kids just go outside for hours and just like play without uh, being on a game or, or something inside their house. I know it has to happen at least a little, but I think it was the biggest way in which, you know, mom was around the house, but she wasn't sitting in the living room because we weren't in the living room. We were out and, and doing stuff uh, most days. I don't know. Maybe it depends on what type of community or what type of atmosphere you're in, but the the bedroom parent is a bad thing, uh, according to uh, someone on social media that's making people have a whole lot of reactions. Um, for sure, she was a living room parent, is what my mom just texted me, for sure. She's like a kitchen parent, too, I feel like. So like, there's a lot of time where we were outside, and we came inside, and she was in the kitchen. Um, I don't know what she was doing in there. I don't know if she was always cooking stuff, but, you know, one one parent, she's doing all the things. All right. One other thing that I saw out there that I thought was kind of um, uh, interesting as far as just like, you know, nonsense topics. Uh, we will get to the top five at five after the news, and then uh, I will go through the five biggest news stories of the day, according to me. Uh, but so there's a supermarket that has AI now, uh, and AI is part of its app. This is in New Zealand. It's called Pack and Save. And so the artificial intelligence will recommend certain dishes for you, certain recipes, and tell you how to make them and what items to buy inside the grocery store. Uh, the reason that the supermarket thought this was a really good idea is, of course, it would help them sell a whole bunch of their products. And maybe the AI would even lean on some of the things that they weren't selling as much of and try to add um, you know, those items into these recipes. Uh, there's a problem, though. Apparently, according to The Guardian, the app has failed quite often. Uh, to give people actual good recipes of things to eat and instead has come up with a lot of really poisonous or really damaging to your health things to eat. Uh, one item was the um, mosquito spray sandwich 
which I do not think anyone should choose to buy. And I wonder if that was because they weren't selling enough mosquito spray or something. Uh, poison bread sandwich was another option. Uh, that seems like a bad idea. And then actually just chlorine gas is something. It said, note that inhaling chlorine gas can cause damage or death to your lungs. Uh, but they were suggesting it as a, a refreshing fragrance. This is where AI is the scariest, I would say, um, because I think more and more people uh, will consider artificial intelligence as a way to replace people at jobs, uh, replace uh, people at all kinds of stuff, um, even like I think um, – and this has been happening for a long time. You, you call the 1-800 number, and you're trying to get help with something, and a computer talks to you, and the computer really wants to be the only one that talks to you. you got to hit a bunch of buttons to get a human because uh, the computer is pretty sure it can help you. But in all those situations, it's devoid of, of the human part. And so it seems like we would have a lot of this. And the more and more you rely on technology uh, to be at the forefront of – I mean they, they have a, an AI radio host. Uh, somewhere in this country, which is based on a real person, uh, and they're they're trying it out. And so the AI sounds like the person, does stuff similar to what the person would say and do, uh, but is is not the human. And uh, that's weird. That's scary uh, on a whole new level. Uh, but I think that that's, there's a lot of stuff like that and a lot of moments where the artificial intelligence will eventually not even intend to actually hurt people, just not really caring at all or not understanding its message correctly. And so instead it says bleach-infused rice surprise was another one. This is horrible on this list. Um, uh, menthol bliss was another thing that they said would be really, really great, which was uh, turpentine-flavored French toast. So this AI is very broken, and they should definitely turn it off, and we should all be probably way more afraid of artificial intelligence. But that is, that is something out there. And uh, I think the New Zealand um, uh, grocery store is probably apologizing uh, but I haven't seen any update on that story. All right. Um, real quick, we're going to get to the news in about a minute or so, and then we'll um, do the top five at five. But I want to tell you that I love going to the VFW in Peoria Heights. I, I really do. Uh, it's a great place to go for a bunch of reasons. Uh, 1505 East Lake Avenue is the address in Peoria Heights. 1505 East Lake. 309-682-9875 is the phone number. 309-682-9875. One of the reasons I like going is because uh, no matter how much fun you have, and it's a bar with a gaming room, with a pool table, with a giant um, a venue in back if you want to rent it out for a special occasion. But because I know that part of the money they make there, they wind up using it for philanthropic things within the community or helping veterans. Uh, when people who served and protected our country run something, and I found this out with Eric, the quartermaster there, um, uh, Chad, the commander, with, with a bunch of the people, is they want to keep doing good stuff. And so they, they do a lot of uh, good things, uh, which when I lose some money playing the video game machine in the back or the, the you know gambling machines in back, I don't feel as bad because I know whatever the cut is for the VFW, I'm going to be helping people in the process. And then their staff is very nice. I love a lot of the bartenders there. Uh, it's a really fun environment, and if you picture a, a VFW as a place where, you know, just older, grumpy um, um, veterans go, that's not true. That's not at all what it's like, so I recommend giving it a try, and they have food on Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. The food is great. All right, quick break. As I said, Will's got the news, and then uh, the top five at five. Those are the five biggest stories to me in reverse order uh, in just about six or seven minutes. Fourteen seventy. 
100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. We do this every day at this time. I call it the Top 5 at 5, the five biggest news stories according to me. We have a sounder. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. Uh, these are in order, um, as I've been told now, that's the better way to do them by a lot of you guys, the listeners. 309-340-4464 is the phone number to text me at to throw your imp- uh, opinion on to any of this stuff. 309-340-4464. So first, and this was kind of hard uh, to pick the top five today, uh, but in reverse order, so number five, biggest story of the day to me, the IRS just lost a bunch of records. Uh, the IRS is unable to locate millions of tax records, according to a watchdog organization. Uh, they lost track of them. It's You look at them, they're like, we don't know. Uh, it could have been anywhere. Uh, I think the explanation is that they you know, were understaffed or something. It, it sounds sort of like if you show up at a restaurant, or especially if you showed up at a restaurant just after the pandemic, and they're like, there's going to be a wait. We're understaffed. Please understand it. The only problem is this is the IRS and how they are supposed to um, – protect our own private information or business information. Uh, A review of the IRS's mandatory storage of old tax records and microfilm backed up cartridges uh, found that, whoops-a-daisy, some things have not gone well. Uh, They said they found at least seven empty boxes at a facility in Utah. I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. I'm laughing because of how inept our government is at a lot of stuff. Those boxes should have contained 168 microfilm cartridges, cartridges, excuse me, uh, which hold up to 2,000 photographic images each. Uh, so a whole lot of uh, documents just um, just gone. Uh, how do we find them? We don't know. We don't know what's happened to them. Uh, it's our bad. Uh, please stop looking at this. That's the number five story for me today. I probably should have made that higher on the list. Uh, number four, consumer prices are up 3.2% in July as inflation uh, slowdowns. Well, they stalled. Uh, anyone that was bragging last month that, hey, inflation, it's stopping. Don't worry about this. Everything's okay. Uh, we see from the CPI that uh, things are not okay at all. In fact, they keep getting worse. And here I'll play. Uh, this is uh, a guest on Fox Business, a Washington Examiner a writer, uh, Tina Lowe, saying just how bad things have gotten since Biden took office in the world of costs of stuff uh, and how uh, this latest indicator is that things are are definitely not when you tie your name to the economy, Bidenomics, people will tie your name to the even if we were doing it already for the current president. We'll do it even more so when you show up at the grocery store and somehow things are even more expensive. The danger is we don't have many tools left, right? Let's just think about the compounding effects of this of this recent inflation crisis. Prices are up 16 percent over since Joe Biden took office. For food, they're up 19 percent. For used car prices, up 30 percent. Electricity prices, up 23 percent. Yeah, uh, prices on everything have gone up a whole lot and continue to go up. And as I said, uh, those consumer indexes are, are bad. They look bad. And so you're in a place where even if your wages have gone up a little, they probably haven't gone up anywhere near enough. And so no matter what they tell you, uh, what people are saying in the world of, uh, you know, uh, the economy is actually pretty good or or this is pretty great or, or wages, we've seen them increase. Uh, your effective actual amount of money you're making has gone down uh, because of just how bad these numbers continue to look. And um, I did really find it interesting that a month or two ago uh, there was such a, a big push to talk about it. And now it feels like it's a, it's a less um, 
focused on part of co- of the conversation because the numbers are, are so uh, bad uh, and will probably continue to be bad. And no, they're not as bad as, as they've been at their worst uh, over the last couple of years, but continuing to go up is not the look anyone wanted. And as uh, was said there, there's really very little left to do except continue to really push interest rates up, which might very well cause uh, other problems uh, within our economy. And so over the next couple of years, as Biden runs on economy, 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 uh, he may very well yet have another problem, another reason for people not to vote for him. Uh, number three on the list, I'm going to do this as a tie. The Biden administration is seeking another $40 billion in emergency funding for Ukraine, $24 billion uh, for Ukraine as part of security, economy, and humanitarian assistance, uh, $9.5 billion for equipment and replenishing Defense Department equipment that's already been sent, uh, $7.3 billion for economic, humanitarian, and security assistance, and then $200 million to counter the Wagner Group and the other Russian actors in Africa. So $40 billion more dollars. And so as I say that, uh, a couple things come to mind. CNN uh, recently did an interview with some voters in Iowa about what they thought about funding uh, Ukraine and and supporting uh, that conflict. And um, they were surprised to see how very few people actually thought that it was still a good idea, uh, the way in which it's going, at least. And then also this, uh, a new Gallup poll found that uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is the second most popular newsmaker in the United States among Americans, the second most popular, the only person more popular with a higher favorability rating, lower unfavorability rating was Prince William of England. What's interesting to me is I don't I don't think about Prince William of England at, at all, but apparently he's 59 percent favorable uh, here in the United States. Uh, you have to go pretty far down the list to find the current president who is 57% unfavorable, 41% favorable, which are actually numbers that are worse than Trump. Trump has a lower unfavorability number uh, than the current president, and about the same, uh, according to Gallup, as far as favorability goes. Uh, But that seems to bode well for Trump and bode poorly for Biden, as Trump has been indicted multiple times and still is more popular than the guy currently in charge of our country. That should be screaming something about the, the person who's currently in charge. All right, that's number three. Uh, The second biggest story of the day to me, uh, just because of the impact it'll have in the future, and people will probably say, I continue to put these stories up too high, but I can't help it. Uh, Supreme, uh, or excuse me, Special Counsel uh, Jack Smith has proposed a January 2nd start date for the former President Donald Trump's uh, trial about um, overturning the election, the 2020 election, the January 6th trial, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, Smith is... Uh, filed papers in Washington, D.C., uh, federal court arguing that the trial date would vindicate the public's strong interest in a speedy trial. I don't think that all of the public has a strong interest in that. It is um, valuable to note that people would caucus in Iowa on the 15th of January. So it seems as though and this is supposed to take a couple weeks for the um, the government to argue its case. So it seems like it's very much intended to land as impactfully as it, it possibly could uh, in the world of of people voting on a general election. I don't think there's a more valuable spot to put it, if I'm being honest. And of course, uh, Jack Smith and uh, any Democrat will tell you that it just it's just an accident. This is just a happenstance. It just it, this is the way it goes. This is what we want to do. Uh, the judge hasn't made a decision. So the judge may very well not pick this day, uh, might allow it to take more time. 
uh, for uh, Trump's legal team to, to figure out. And you know what's really interesting about this one specifically? And I've heard this argument made a couple times, and so I'll, I'll go ahead and make it. I definitely agree with it. It took them over two years to indict him for that, over two years of uh, looking for any and all information they could to go after him on these specific charges from January 6, 2020 and uh, all before it. And now they're asking the team that would defend the former president to get as little time as humanly possible to build their own defense. Why would that ever make sense to anyone in a courtroom when it takes that long to build the case to not give them some amount of additional time? And so we will see. Uh, but Trump's team would very much like this to take a much longer time uh, to play out, um, I assume. And so um, it's, it's certainly going to be something where uh, the judge will maybe show to a lot of people any sort of bias in how closely they agree to what uh, Jack Smith has asked for. And then the number one story, easily the actual number one story today, has nothing to do with politics. It is what's going on in Hawaii. Uh, 36 people died in wildfires there. Uh, a search of wildfire devastation is going on, uh, mostly in Maui. I think um, people are saying that you should cancel uh, vacation plans if you have them, if you're planning on going there anytime soon. And I have seen uh, some of the leaders in Hawaii saying that they don't really have a, a way to to fight what's uh, going on right now. So um, there there's likely to be more. So uh, right now it's something where um, it's a tragedy. And so uh, I'm sure there's going to be a way to mobilize and try to help. Uh, but the death toll uh, officially reached 36 uh, late yesterday, making it the deadliest U.S. wildfire since the 2018 uh, campfire in California, uh, which killed 85 people and laid waste to a town. So uh, Hawaii toll could rise and rescuers uh, are still going through parts of the island that had been inaccessible in the past few days. So that is the biggest story of the day to me um, and, you know, something that there's very little we can do to, to fix. But uh, if you somehow had plans to go there, uh, you should cancel those. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Fourteen seventy, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Holland Show. Um, we're going to do good story, bad story after the news. Uh, good story, bad story is something that will make you feel very good about the world we live in, about humanity, about the people around you. And then, well, another one won't. Another one will do the exact opposite. Uh, that's coming up in a little over 10 minutes. Uh, first, this, though, I thought this was interesting in the L.A. Times. Uh, there is now a debate and people, I think there are even you know, talking heads that have put on experts that are talking about this already. Um, uh, there are people that saying we should go back to wearing masks. There is an uptick in, in COVID cases, although it's not one that's alarmed most health health experts. Uh, but there are people, including a doctor out of uh, UC San Francisco, uh, that is saying that the, you know, wave could be bigger. And uh, these are things, precautions. I think there's even one talking head person out there uh, that said that you might want to wear a mask inside your house. I doubt many people are, are going back to this. And the reason why I think this time that very few people would go back, although I'm sure there are people that would willingly put a mask uh, back on, is if you've paid attention to a whole lot of the studies out there, most of them have said that masks didn't work. Uh, most of them said that a lot of things that we did during the pandemic didn't work. One of the biggest reasons why uh, masking specifically didn't have the impact you were told it was going to have is because no one wore them the way that, say, a doctor or nurse would. 
which is the M95 or, or KN95, whatever, the N95 mask. And then you, you have it like stapled to your mouth 24-7 without taking – I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm just saying that there's a lot of scenarios where human beings in their everyday life uh, do not do that. And so then again, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense why they're saying uh, to wear them again. But some people are – I wonder if it's all just like a, a mental thing. Uh, I wonder if people that would go back to that so quickly – and feel as though they're protecting themselves or protecting other people, all of which uh, you're unlikely to be doing uh, via the mask. And again, any of the data that's actually out there over the past year or so um, would just be doing it because like mentally it gives you control. Uh, but the the number of cases are nowhere near as bad as they, they were. I don't know if there's a projection for them to be as bad. And I will say, and I was surprised I even looked into this uh, because of this story, because it's been a long time since I typed certain words into Google to look for information. Uh, but cases are still not any more serious uh, than they've been over the past you know, year and a half or so, uh, meaning that cases are, are quite a bit more mild uh, when they do happen. So uh, not something that seems to um, at all uh, align with the people who are starting to sound certain alarms. And I'm sure that most people listening to the show are, are laughing right now, thinking about the idea of being asked to put on masks or any of that again. And I'm, I'm certainly understanding of that position. I'm surprised that it's a conversation that the LA Times claims is out there because I can't even think anybody that's had it, uh, anybody that I know that's talking about this. Um, moving on, other stuff. I thought this was interesting. 50% of Americans have tried pot and 17% smoke it regularly, according to a brand new poll. Uh, this is something that has been a new high uh, since the 1960s. Uh, there were other highs in the past, I guess. And I love the word that the word high is used here. Uh, but now this is a, a ever-increasing number over the last 10-plus years, uh, mostly because more places have made pot legal. Um, there's a, I have a unique concern about this, um, and I'm not someone – Who's going to go on the radio and tell you that I've I've never in my life tried pot? I don't think I'm going to talk about my experiences with it much, uh, but I've tried it before. It's something that I'm not a zero on, and yet still, as it becomes something that people do as unabashedly as they're they're doing it, and like my wife and I will walk around and just smell it uh, a bunch of places, and I'll have to remind Betty like, oh, it's legal now because because you just smell it. Places you don't expect to even here in this building, which I think is some of the, the um, residential floors below us. And you, you have to remember that, that you know, people aren't breaking the law. Uh, but the thing that, that makes me intrigued about an uptick in it and sort of the uh, what's becoming, I think, in some places, a more and more common, even public version of doing it is the odds of someone being behind the wheel of a car or someone living their everyday life and, and being um, uh, impacted uh, by pot. I, we don't have people, I think, doing this as often in the world of drinking alcohol where you'd almost do it and still go to work. Uh, but there are a lot of people who, who smoke and, and work or smoke and do something else. Um, and these numbers seem to indicate that those those things might only increase. And certainly places like New York or Illinois, uh, you're seeing an even greater increase of it. So I think that's bad. <laughs> and also, and again, I'm sure uh, some people uh, who don't care about this I might be saying Catholic Craig or, or some version of me is coming out. Uh, but the, the honest truth, too, is that depending on your age, there are studies that say that you can do a lot of harm to your brain uh, if you're not a fully developed human in the world of your uh, intellect and you're smoking pot, which is not legal. That would be illegal. Um, then I think there are a lot of cases and a lot of data that say that you're um, doing some things that you can't reverse. 
And so there's many, many reasons to still be uh, very different than it seems that people are being, at least in that uh, small group that's ticking up more and more. Uh, adult regular users, 19% are concerned about this, 26% somewhat concerned, and 23% not very concerned at all. Um, for young adults, 40% actually said they're very concerned about the effects on them. That's good because uh, the effects are, are greater uh, by any study. All right, uh, we'll throw it to news in just a bit. Uh, after the news, we'll do good story, bad story, uh, which is not going to be all about pot use, although I guess it could have been. But I do love both uh, the good and bad stories that I have today. We got a couple really good bad ones, uh, including a guy that's uh, both a criminal and really honest. So it's nice to see that even though you're going to break some laws and do some things you shouldn't do, that when the time comes, the honesty uh, pours out of you. I'll tell you exactly what that story is and how that worked and much more in just a bit. Uh, you can hear us on AM radio at 1470, on FM at 100.3, all over the Internet, as I say. But you can also hear us on our app, the WMBD uh, radio app, on both iPhone and your uh, Android devices. And then finally, if you have a smart speaker and you want to play it in your house, um, as TJ clears his voice, uh, if you want to play the smart speaker in your home, uh, just go ahead and, and say, play WMBD radio, and you'll hear Will Stevenson talking about this. It was the loudest clearing of a throat I've heard in my life. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, we all got to do it, man. Got to have, gotta have those radio voices right <clears throat> yeah, Me, 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 me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here we go. Thank you. Fourteen seventy one hundred point three WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's time for good story, bad story. Uh, this is where I tell you something that hopefully lifts your spirits, uh, gives you faith in the world we live in, and then, well, uh, we kick you in a place you don't want to be kicked in uh, for the second part of the story. And I have two in the world of good stories um, that I, I like both of these. Uh, the first one, just a, a quickie. Uh, the first mother-daughter duo is headed to space uh, on this second sp uh, flight with Virgin Galactic uh, for uh, people that are just paying and going up there. Uh, it's $450,000 each, so it's not cheap. Uh, they won their seats in a contest, though. Uh, so a mom and a daughter will be the first um, mother-daughter duo in space. That's making the rounds some places. And then this story uh, I liked a lot. Uh, the name of this woman is Mary Ruth. She's 86. Uh, she recently lost her husband. That's certainly not the good story part. Uh, she lives in Kentucky. And so she decided that she needed something to do. Uh, so she became a greeter at Walmart uh, and said that just work itself is sort of beautiful therapy. Uh, but here's the thing. Like her, her personality is so infectious and people like her so much because she's uh, got something that very few people have when you walk in and get greeted at the Walmart nowadays, uh, that she's become a local celebrity in the town. People take selfies with her. Uh, she signs autographs for kids. Uh, there was one uh, a kid who even made local news there on WDRB in Kentucky uh, that is autistic and doesn't hug anyone until he met Mary Ruth. And now apparently every time they go there, this uh, small kid uh, gives Mary Ruth a hug. So she loves it. She says these are the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, she's actually also um, uh, worked in her church before. And so uh, I guess she's even encouraging people to go hang out with her church now, too. Uh, there's something just really cool about all this and the fact that she took a shot, uh, found a job, and she said she didn't want uh, to die of loneliness. Those were her words. And now apparently she's a big, big deal. And the community loves her. Uh, daily greetings, all kinds of stuff, hugs, selfies, uh, just general kindness. Even flowers have been delivered to her uh, while she's been at the store. So those are good stories. Hopefully they made you uh, feel a certain thing. Uh, let's go ahead and take that away. Uh, this is also about Walmart. A 53-year-old guy in Florida uh, walked into a Walmart, tried to steal some stuff and got caught by the cops. 
Uh, and he blurted out as he was getting caught and uh, charged with a felony that he's just not very good at shoplifting. Apparently, he's tried this before. Uh, the guy's name is Daniel. He took a bicycle pump lock, uh, inner tubes, just some stuff that it wasn't really easy for him to hide under his shirt. He tried to put all that under his shirt. I don't know why I find that so funny. Uh, he was arrested outside the store. Um, as I said, this is uh, not the first attempt. Uh, multiple swings and misses here. Uh, and $20.78 uh, worth of money he was trying to steal. Uh, and if he's convicted, it will now uh, hit a felony because of the attempts there. Uh, Daniel also had fentanyl on him, so obviously not really in the right frame of mind. But I do like the fact that honesty came out. He's like, man, I'm just not good at this. I was hoping for this to work out, uh, but I picked the wrong items to hide under my shirt, and I didn't go back and try to pick other stuff. Uh, I'm not trying to help you commit crimes better. I'm just saying that was a really bad plan. And then this is also a bad story. Uh, I find this one uh, to be kind of uh, interesting, too. An instructor for a driving school in Colorado called Learn to Drive crashed into uh, the school itself. No one was hurt. The guy was trying to park, but he hit the gas instead of the brake. And then probably as you're sitting there in the car and you've crashed into a wall and maybe if there's a student in there, you look over and you're like, don't do this. I imagine that that was said. This is really just a learning lesson for the kids, people. I did this on purpose to show how easy it is to get those two pedals confused. Uh, but, yeah, um, fortunately, as I said, no one injured. Uh, he's probably not going to retain his job as a driving instructor. And there is a, a photo uh, that went viral, and it is the car barreled all the way into Learn to Drive, uh, which is – I'll put it up on social media – um, it is pretty funny because that's probably not the place anyone went to learn to drive that day. If you see a, a SUV sticking out of a window, uh, that's probably not the location you want to send your kids. All right. That's good story. Bad story. I'm going to do a couple other quick uh, political things and then we'll take a break. Uh, this first is is very important to me. And I think a lot of these are, are pretty important now. Uh, you have these gold star families that have been talking about a lot of their experience uh, when it comes to. Uh, both uh, the, the horrific part of losing a loved one, um, someone who is serving our country and our military, and even more so the fact that uh, the way in which uh, people lost their lives in Afghanistan uh, doesn't make sense to most Americans. It was such a terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan that that it seemed to be the, the catalyst to, um, um, you know, the, the tragedy of, of 13 servicemen dying uh, via suicide bomber at an airport in Kabul. And so these parents have spoken up. This is a CNN interview, and they've all said pretty much the same thing. And it is disappointing that this isn't being covered more places uh, with more consistency because um, it matters. And one of the things that this this mother uh, said um, is really powerful to me. Uh, Kelly Barnett is her name. She's the mother of fallen Staff Sergeant uh, Taylor Hoover. Uh, here's a little bit of what she said on, on CNN. Thanks. Thank you, Jake. Um well, you know, I, you know, if you give me a little leeway here, when I first saw, you know, the text saying CNN wanted to talk to me, I was so happy. Um, where have y'all been? We need you, Jake. We need, we need, we need you. We need CNN. We need all the other networks to, to, to voice our opinions, our, our truths and get it out there. We need the country to come together. Um, I, I want justice for my son. He fought and he died for this country, not for conservatives, not for liberals. He fought for all of us. My job as his mom is to make sure that we come together and make sure this never happens again and that all of our voices, our, our truths are always able to be told 
and that we get to the bottom of this so, like I said, that it never happens again. What's so powerful to me about that is the the strength of the person uh, because you're being put on television uh, by CNN uh, to talk about the tragedy of losing your loved one, uh, losing them in a way that a lot of people, all of those parents seem to think uh, should not and I believe should not have happened and only happened because of the political win that the uh, Biden administration believed uh, getting out of Afghanistan was and they didn't care about doing it the right way, even if it was a much longer way. Uh, than the process that they put in place to do this and any of the advice that they were given by military that they ignored. And there's a lot of stories about people saying, you know, you can't speed it up this fast. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but what I think is the most powerful is just the beginning part where she says, where have you been? I was glad to get a text, glad to get a message saying that CNN wanted to put me on television. But it's been a while and we uh, could use all of the you know, platforms uh, that we should be on to share these kind of messages, to, to call for people to step out of positions of power who made decisions that they made. And it is political um, easily that is the reason that people don't uh, put individuals on, on TV or on radio or, or any of the places they should be um, because they don't want that part of the message out there. So I was really moved that um, the mother had the foresight to say that before saying that her son, anyone in the military, isn't fighting for a political party. They're, they're fighting for the United States. They're fighting for everybody in it. Um, and that, I've heard that from a lot of veterans that I've gotten to know and talked to uh, via going to the VFW or, or, you know, the honor flights or any of those things, um, the VFW in Peoria Heights. So there, there's just a lot of reasons to think that some of these stories uh, are neglected and, and shouldn't be. And the politics need to be removed, need to be thrown out if they're uh, a prevention um, mechanism for people to or, um, you know, certain organizations to ignore these stories. And so I thought that was very powerful. And then beyond it to say that we can't let things like this happen again uh, is a message that I think any parent uh, that loses a kid, um, even a, even uh, someone in our military who, you know, said they would serve and protect us and said they'd put themselves in harm's way, uh, would feel the same way, that they want um, change to be something that occurs. And change in this way is just accepting responsibility. That's that's all that they're asking for. I think that's all I heard any of those uh, parents ask for is the people who made a decision to leave Afghanistan as recklessly as they did should be held accountable and should be removed from positions of making decisions in the future. That doesn't sound like a whole lot. They're not asking for giant policy changes of any kind. And yet, for some reason, this isn't making it on TV or on news as much as it it should. All right. I'm going to take a break. Uh, after the break, we'll end the show with some lighter stuff uh, yet again. I, I might have one one last thing in the world of politics. Uh, the uh, New York City Democratic Mayor Eric Adams is once again complaining about a thing that there's a lot of people in a lot of places throughout Texas are probably yelling at their TVs to shut up. Uh, but I'll play that and then we'll do some other stuff before we get out of here. Uh, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Fourteen seventy, one hundred point three, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about with just a few minutes left to go before the show is over, um, and then Dave Ramsey takes over. Uh, will Stevenson will have you covered with news in about uh, eight minutes or so. I do want to play one last uh, news thing, and then I'll, I'll move on to less serious stuff. Uh, first, I have this: uh, the New York City Democratic Mayor Eric Adams uh, complained on national television on CBS Mornings about how terrible it's been in New York to have um, a bunch of people showing up, uh, illegal immigration becoming a problem in New York. He said that there has been a created funnel 
of individuals uh, being shipped from, uh, say, uh, border cities in Texas, um, you know, driven on buses uh, to New York, and it's made it, un, um, you know, uh, untenable, impossible for them to handle uh, in the biggest city in our country, uh, which has long said it was a sanctuary city. It's a very interesting take. Here we go. Well, think about what happened in the last few um, uh, months. Uh, we have created a funnel. All the bordering states have now took the funnel right to New York City. New York, is the, New York City is the economic engine of this entire state and country. Mm. If you decimate this city, you're going to decimate the foundation of what's happening. Look at Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, Houston, and now you're hearing the governor of Massachusetts. And so when people say, well, they have, we gave them $100 million, $12 billion bill? Yeah. I mean, what so table what are, are we dining Here is the problem with this and the arrogance of it or the entitlement of it. And I'm I'm from the East Coast. I'm born and raised in, in New Jersey. I like uh, New York, the city, uh, quite a bit. Um, but this has been a problem that the places that have been dealing with this for as long as they've been dealing with it have been saying for they've been speaking just like that. And they've been saying it for years, even before uh, things got as bad as they've gotten over the last uh, couple of years. Well, this administration has been in office at the border. And so when you say those things, when you complain about the problem, when you say there's no way to handle it, uh, you're essentially making everyone who's complained about this before very, very mad, I imagine. Uh, and I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I do uh, very much believe uh, that changes could be made in the way in which people could legally enter into our country. I am in support of that. I think there's other people that are. Uh, but in order to do that, I think you have to fix some of the problems first, uh, which uh, people seem to disagree on. But when it becomes a problem at your doorstep, it seems like there is a lot more uniformity, uh, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, at least in the fact that the problem is difficult to handle, uh, which I think is one of the bigger aspects of what people, uh, whether they're on one side or the other side of the political aisle, have been saying for a while in places that have been dealing with this for a lot longer. All right. Some other stuff out there, less serious stuff, uh, certainly less newsy stuff. Uh, but this one, I don't know why this amused me so much. So a woman went viral on TikTok and actually admitted this herself. So she's the one who put it up on social media. She was applying for a job at SkyWest Airlines as a flight attendant, and she was supposed to record her answers to, like, the pre-interview questions. Uh, but she's already on the Zoom call or whatever, and then eventually someone's going to hop in and interview her. And she made fun of one of the questions and wasn't aware she was recording herself and that there's no way she could stop it or edit it. So she hit the record button, didn't know it, or it might have been recording the whole time, uh, saw one of the, the pre-screening questions, called it the cheesiest and bleeping dumbest question she's ever seen, and then realized her mistake. So she looks into the camera, and she's already deleted the video. I couldn't get a copy of it, uh, even though it went viral, I guess, a few days ago, which made me sad. Um, but um, she she looked into the camera and said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was just practicing. And then later she seems to say sorry again, knowing she's not getting that job. Uh, my, the funniest part to me of this story is not just that she crapped on a, um, you know, a stupid question, which it very well may have been. Uh, there are a lot of those, like, um, you know, weird versions of interview questions you get asked. Not the what have you ever, you know, succeeded at or what have you failed at at a job, but like the really quirky ones uh, that seem like they have no relevance to your position whatsoever. 
And if you're applying, you just got to you got to lean in. I think you can't do this. Uh, but anyway, not only did she not get the job and embarrass herself in social media by outing herself as as someone who made a mistake that cost her a gig. Uh, she also wound up warning her current boss uh, that she was looking because her current boss apparently replied. And maybe that's why it got deleted, uh, complaining about the fact that she didn't know she was uh, out there looking for work. So it's a double whammy in that where I don't know if she's lost her, her current job, uh, but this is the overshare thing. I say about young people, especially about, I think, millennials, my generation and Gen Z, uh, is all of this was unforced errors. You did not have to put it out there to begin with. You didn't have to put it out there if you had a current gig and your boss was a friend of yours on social media. Seems like there was a lot of mistakes uh, that were made. And so for some reason, that very much amused me. Uh, Another story out there that I saw, and I think I've been sent this uh, by a couple listeners, too. There will be a unique uh, meteor shower. Um, over the weekend, one of the world's best billed by NASA as, as a significant thing to go watch. And you know what's funny about people sending me this, especially people who've heard me on the show uh, talk about stuff like this before, is I never think it's as good as they bill it to be. Uh, the, the eclipses that they tell us to go outside and watch or, or maybe not watch directly, I think there's something about that. Uh, even the one where Tom Skilling from WGN in Chicago I went down a little bit further down in the state of Illinois and stood there and watched it and and said how great it was. I I don't know why, but for me, they're not as great. Uh, They're they're fine. They're okay. They're not not these life-changing things or build as these, you know, once-in-a-lifetime visuals uh, that I'm told they are, at least not for me. I I don't know. I'm the bah humbug uh, guy in this world, so I apologize for it. But I saw that it's out there. There's a world's best meteor shower Over the weekend, I think it starts at like 10 o'clock or something uh, p.m. on Saturday, uh, where NASA says you can see some of this stuff, uh, depending on where you're at, I guess, in the in the United States or in the world. Um, And yeah, I I probably will. Will may I I know I won't. I shouldn't even lie. I'm not going to try very hard to watch this. And if I see it and I think it's kind of cool. I will admit it on social media, but odds are I'm going to be underwhelmed, and I apologize again for that, for anyone that's really excited. Um, But that's out there. That's happening over the weekend. And one last thing, and this is not necessarily an uplifting thing, but I just saw it, and I wanted to throw it out there. The National Institute of Health uh, found that certain medications, uh, ones that help prevent acid reflux, might actually um, link people to a higher likelihood of dementia, a higher dementia risk. Uh, so there are people now warning about this. Researchers from the American Academy of Neurology are saying that they found there to be a, a, a link between uh, proton pump inhibitors, uh, PPIs, which is the stuff you buy over the counter for acid reflux, and the risk of a pretty serious neurological issue. Uh, so they are telling people to consult with their doctors about that risk, to have that conversation. 57,000 participants, 45 and older, none of whom actually had dementia at the start of the study, uh, were were followed. The average age of participants was actually 75, uh, and they did find uh, several people that developed um, dementia, and they they do think there's a link. So I'll just put that out there, too, uh, as something that I think a lot of – I don't know that you're going to change any behavior because of one study, um, but – you know, um, I know a lot of people take acid reflux. I know I've taken that medication before. So uh, maybe it's it's food for thought at the very least. All right. I got to get out of here. Uh, 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM, all over the Internet on WMBDRadio.com.